you know, they look at a problem, they systematically tackle their problem, they're diligent about it, they're thoughtful about it, they don't give up. These are traits if you don't have, no amount of knowledge in the world is going to save you. Welcome to The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast. I'm your host, Aman Shahi. There's a ton going on in the world right now, and much of it impacts real estate investors. The Real Deal podcast will take a look at what's happening and how it influences you as a real estate investor. Each episode is a 20-minute segment dedicated to distilling the day's most important news, so you can stay up to date on what's going on in the world and how it might affect the commercial real estate market. Welcome back to another episode of the Cashflow Capitalist Show. My name is Aman. Today we have another very special guest, Omar Khan. Hey, Omar. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for hosting me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for, thanks for being here. So um, give us your 30-second introduction. Tell us who you are. I'm the founder of Boardwalk Wealth. We're a private equity firm. We've got assets both in multifamily acquisitions and developments, as well as restaurants, where we have an operating platform. Uh, look, for us, uh, what we're doing is basically born out of a need. The need is very simple. You need to have one way, you need to have tax efficiency and grow your portfolio. On the other side, you need to have income and you know, get steady income. So our real estate side helps us get the tax benefits and the capital appreciation pop. And our restaurant side of the business helps us and our investors basically get very high cash flow as well as appreciation, right? So for us, we like to balance both ends of the book also offer a lot of diversification and you know my backgrounds in finance investment banking my family's a business family so uh, some of these thought processes are born out of experience professionally personally and that's why we are where we are so you were in finance in your past life and um, what made you go through into real estate why not hedge funds i'm i'm still in finance in my current life also it just happens to be in the <laughs> it form happens of to be different <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got the point. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, uh, look for a lot of people, for a lot of people that have the entrepreneurial bent, like I did, as an example, or rather, I thought I did, right? But I was also in Canada. So while I love Canada, I think Canada is a great country. Obviously, you can't compare it to the US in terms of entrepreneurialism, the size of the market, the opportunity set that's available. So I was very lucky by the grace of God that, you know, went to great schools in Canada. Went to great high school in Pakistan, went to great school in Canada, University of Toronto, worked at top tier firms, RBC, CIBC, McKinsey, uh, Synovus. Great experience, both on the buy and sell side, buy as corporate, sell as advisory and investment banking. Had great experiences there. So by the time I moved to the US, is about around the time when I was 30, right? I had a great set of experiences. But I think the other issue, the other thing also, not issue, was that because I came from a business family, so I think there was some level of influence there. Not directly, but you know, you're in an environment and you get some influence. But the real magic was basically moving to the U.S., being in a very supportive and surrounding environment that is conducive to risk-taking and entrepreneurialism, growing your profile. So that helped. Uh, but then also having all the professional expertise, right? It was like, you know, if all the pieces weren't in place and it wasn't intentional, like it wasn't like I started leaving college and thinking all of these things were going to happen. Right. But if I didn't have the personal and the professional and the academic and all of these things in place, like I did my C, I'm a CFA charter holder. Right. That's a gold standard in portfolio and risk management. Now, if I didn't have all of the, that sort of academic knowledge, then professional experiences, then the personal inclination to do something. 
right? Uh, whatever I'm doing right now wouldn't have happened. But for me also, around the time I got married, my wife's a physician. So again, by the grace of God, we were doing well in our corporate careers. And what we thought was that, look, early on in our career, I was 30, she was 29, that, you know, if we don't get a raise again for the rest of the lives, the simple thing was, if we don't get a raise again for the rest of our lives, what, what does it look like? Like, let's assume, right? There is no growth. You get the same income for the rest of your working life. And what we realized was that if we were just efficient on taxes and the way we invest, not necessarily, you know, go create the next Tesla or Facebook, just efficient in the way you're managing your affairs. The biggest leakage that we have was taxes. And again, my family owns a lot of commercial real estate. They're reasonably financially sophisticated. So at least I had the knowledge of, hey, tax write-offs exist. This oil and gas, oil, advanced manufacturing, there's lots of tax write-offs that exist in these industries. So having that knowledge. Now, also being in a situation where I have the personal and professional networks in place, right? That's what led me to real estate. Uh, as opposed to, you know, I know a lot of people I talk to and they're like, hey, um, I always wanted to be in real estate because I love buildings. Or, you know, people have a passion for real estate, right? Everybody have their own reason. Yeah, everybody has their own reasons, very legitimate reasons. My reason was more economic then, oh, I have a passion for being in real estate. I don't necessarily think, uh, let's put it this way, if I could make a similar or more amount of money in another business, but more sustainably, as an example, I would be in that business. So I, I treat it like a, it's an economic issue as opposed to like a passion issue. So you had the seed for entrepreneurship from your young age, but you always were like more business-minded. If I can get in this business, if I can make more yeah, money, yeah, this, yeah. I can go I, I, would say, I, I think you could say that. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked at it as a business as opposed to, hey, what am I passionate about? Sort of deal. It just turns out, again, by the grace of God, what I'm passionate about and what my personal and professional um, you know, background is, it's a very good fit for what I do. But that's not why this happened. Mm. So you were always a numbers guy. That's why you got, got into finance. Yeah, I would say I'm more analytical than I would be like, a poet or a creative person, right? So what's your more pro uh, dominant side? Is it more capital raising? Is it more into operations? Look, I think instinctively it's operations, but when you're running a portfolio, the size of the portfolio we're running, and as you have to level up in life, right? Because each level is a stage in life, right? You get to a stage, now you've got to go on. I am blessed now that over the last eight, 10 years, we've developed a really good team. We have really good systems, really good processes, really good relationships, but most importantly, really good team around us. So now, while I'm way more involved in operations than my peers are, say in other firms uh, of a similar size, I have to now get better at the capital raising and the marketing angle of things, which I'm not a natural at, but that is the next stage of what I have to do, basically. So since you mentioned about the teams, I'm going to ask you, how did you build a team? Oh, you need to have money, man. And everybody who tells you anything otherwise, I mean, look, you need to have, you need to know what you're doing, right? Find the right person. But none of this is possible without money. Honestly, man, when I had money, the, the team portion, obviously by that time, I had gone through a lot of things. So first of all, nobody's 100% at it, right? Because you do it, you fail, you learn. But till you don't have the money part down, right? Or you don't have enough money, dude, it is impossible to build a team. Because think about it this way. Why would a top performer want to work for free? And I know everybody says, well, I'll take equity and I'll do this. But those are the last people you should ever be working for or working with. You're, you want to work with people who already know how to do, not people who are going to be running an experiment while they work alongside you.
Because you want to work with better people than yourself, right? You don't want to work with people whom you are ahead of. You want to work with people who you are behind so you can use their example to learn and grow and prosper. From where you can learn something, where you can add the value to. Exactly. But look, think about it this way, right? If you have a colleague or if you work with somebody who is in whatever realm of work you're looking at, they are so far ahead of you, right? They have they've seen situations before. They have a great personality to manage that situation. How quickly can you learn from them, right? As a positive role model versus somebody who's trying to figure it out as they go along. Nothing wrong with it, but I mean, all things being equal, you want to learn from the person who already knows what's going on. And um, since you also mentioned that, did you join any kind of mentorship programs when no, you were starting? I, I, I'm going to be very honest with you, man. I don't have a very positive opinion about these mentorship groups. I think it's run, it's run by people who can't do their own deals. First of all, these days, every single person who can't find a job becomes a life coach, I feel. Right, number one. Everybody's <laughs> unemployed, they become a life coach. They're telling you how to run their own life, but they can't. It's like fat people becoming like personal trainers. You're like, you know, it doesn't really work out, right? Number one, that's just my opinion, could be wrong. Uh, but also I think a lot of people, what they don't realize is, look, if you're actually really good at any form of deal making, uh, asset management, businesses, private equity, it is so lucrative, this line of work, you don't do this education and all of this shit. You only do this. It's mostly, I shouldn't say all, most 99% of it is being done by people who can't run their own deals. But again, it's very easy to give other people advice, right? It's very easy for me to tell you, hey, hit the gym, eat good food, uh, meditate, pray, and you know, treat people nicely because it's easy to give free advice, right? It's hard to do it yourself. And okay, that, that does make sense. I think you're right in that sector. Like, you know, um, but the, uh, do you think there are any some good programs out there that people like? Stick? I haven't seen one. You haven't seen one. I'm going to be honest with you. Look, this doesn't mean I'm anti-education. By the way, I am the product of great teachers. Wherever I am here today, it's not because of my own intelligence. It's because I have had great teachers, exceptional teachers, all through from childhood all the way to now, right? Who took the time out out of their way to teach me things. Then great schools, both you know, just school, schools, and then colleges and all of that stuff. Great academic programs. Look, I tell people, you've got to decide. If you want to learn, you can go to your local college. In fact, don't even go there. Just get a textbook and teach yourself. You want to learn the technical aspect of things. Now, if you want to learn the marketing angle of things, that's a very different ballgame, right? So my point is, in today's world, you don't need any of these failed coaches to teach you, basically, by the way. And just to be very clear, Anytime a lot of these real estate coaches are telling you, just go look at what they're doing, man. They don't, everybody, it's a very simple question. If you ask somebody and they say, oh, we are doing this and we are doing that. And you simply ask them, okay, what are you doing? And they cannot answer a simple question. They don't know what they're doing. But there are so many people who want to get into real estate and they have no idea how they even, what, what is the ABC? And what do you want to tell them? Alan, you know what? There's a lot of guys that sell snake oil. There's a lot of guys that tell you, hey, if you're bald and you put my little lotion on your head, you will have Brad Pitt's hair, okay? <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of people selling you dumb shit in yeah, the world, right? Yeah. Or people say, hey, you know, you've seen those ads, right? You don't have to go to a gym, sit at home and you'll get a six pack. And we all know, man, like you don't get a six pack by just sitting at home. You got to eat right. You got to work out right. You got to sleep right. So look, man, what you want to do and what is reality are two different things. 
I want to play point guard for the Lakers, okay? I wanted to win the World Cup, okay? I wanted to play for Real Madrid and also play cricket at the World Cup level. And I mean, so many things. You understand, wards have no limit, man. Sky is a limit. But you have to be realistic. Yeah, yeah, the sky is the limit, man. I also want to be a billionaire. I want money to fall from the sky for me, right? You know, but wants and needs are too. So my point is, look, if you want to learn about real estate, number one, YouTube has so many things you can learn about, right? I mean, frankly, I don't think there's a topic on the planet that's probably not covered on YouTube in detail, number one. Number two, if you technically want to learn, we're talking the technicalities, right? Uh, get a textbook, man. How do you think all these other people have learned? Right. And lastly, if you really want to learn the actual practical elements of doing this work, right? Well, uh, try to partner with somebody. Look, the only two ways that you make money in this business are either you find the deals or you have the money. Everything else we can hire for. Like I can pay somebody, they're not going to cost me a lot of money, maybe a couple of hundred grand. Right. So if you can't find the deal, you can't raise the money, well, learn to find value, add value in some other way because you could take the same amount of money you're paying some real estate guru or coach and use that amount of money to meet the right people, develop the right relationships, which can then help you learn and prosper at a much quicker and faster pace. I have a different opinion on that. I just tell people that you can invest as an LP and still join yeah, their calls that. and you can learn from there too. All that. Look, man, money talks, right? If you instead of giving 50000 to some idiot guru, real estate guru who's just going to do dumb shit with your money, how about you invest $50,000 with a top-tier operator? And then, by the way, when you email them and call them, they will actually respond to your email as well. And they will actually tell you what's going on on the ground level as opposed to some guy repeating whatever he heard on social media. And you can learn from them straight one-on-one. Yeah. Or you know what I tell people? Look, allocate $10,000. Hmm. You probably won't even need it. If you live in any major cities, look, live in a Dallas, San Francisco, LA, New York, Chicago, Boston, Miami, doesn't matter. Any, any mid-tier city in the Midwest as well. You probably, in your city, not probably, guaranteed in your city, there's at least 100 very successful people, business. I don't care what city in the world you live in, man. Okay? Every major city has at least 100 successful business people. How about this, man? You just go look them up online. You find a way to get in touch with them. It's really not that hard in today's world, right? Email them, take them out for a coffee and learn about what they do. And it doesn't matter if they're in real estate. They could be in lawn mowing. They could be in cement manufacturing. They could be in oil and gas. What you're going to find out very quickly is the top tier people, whether they're in business or sports or being a doctor or an engineer, they have very common traits. You know, they look at a problem. They systematically tackle their problem. They're diligent about it. They're thoughtful about it. They don't give up. These are traits, if you don't have, no amount of knowledge in the world is going to save you, right? Because these are personality traits you have to build, right? It's a bit like say, it's a bit like going to the gym once in the year on January 1st and saying, all right, I don't need to go to the gym anymore. I know how, I'm done. I know how to do all these exercises. I don't need to come again. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I, I know how to do the exercise, but I don't have to do the exercise. You, have, you just have to go and learn these things and you have to do them, and right? Make mistakes. And if you don't do them... Yeah, and make mistakes as part of the process. And if you don't do that, well, I mean, what is somebody going to tell? What am I going to tell you if you don't actually go do the work, right? Yeah, that, that does make sense. So um, let's move on, move on to the topic of asset management. So can you tell us what is asset management? Why it's so important in, in any kind of business or in the multifamily? Look, asset management in the context of real estate, but it applies across the board, basically. Well, think about it this way, right? You have property managers, whether they're in-house or a third party. 
A property manager is somebody that's at the property and they have a company maybe, right? But your leasing agent, your property manager, they're at the property, they deal with the day-to-day. These people are very ta- tactical, right? Something happens, you respond, blah. It's very administrative. Not, it's, I'm not trying to denigrate them, but it's process-oriented work. Right. And then the really good property managers obviously will manage the emotions of their property developer relationships. But an asset manager and an operating team at the top sits, they set the tone for the business plan. As an example, what type of rents are we charging? What type of basically renovation plans are we doing? Because think about it this way. Nobody, like if you just give card blanche a blanket blank check to a property manager, they're just going to go spend all your money. But will they spend it strategically? Will you coach them to work on your workflows? Like, like maybe the sister report coming out of their software is like this, but you want your report to be like this, right? So like, you know, all these things, will they create dashboards for you? No, you probably have to do that. So you as an asset manager and an asset management and operations team have to set the tone for the business plan. They have to, the property manager then has to actually go execute on the business plan while you have to hold them accountable. So. While technically being a property manager really helps you in terms of being asset management, but common sense is the is the common factor. If you don't have common sense, no amount of no amount of technical knowledge is ever going to help you. So the asset manager sets the tone for the business plan, devises the plan, sets the tone for the business plan, and then course corrects along the way along the year when you know things go sideways in a minute. And for your successful asset management, what KPIs do you follow? Look, first of all, I believe you need to have Number one thing which you need to have, which is very uncommon, is common sense, okay? I mean, it's hard to go to school for common sense because either you have it or you don't, okay? And the simple litmus test is that if any normal person, we're not talking about the world's greatest liar, but like a normal person tells you, oh, and let's assume you don't know anything about construction, and they tell you, oh, this door costs $5,000. And you can obviously look, I mean, you don't need to be in construction to know, okay, this is a standard four panel door, it's not gonna cost it's 50 bucks. I mean, we're not trying to put the door in the Taj Mahal, yeah. right? Like this door is going to be like maybe 500 to $1,000, right? So if somebody tells you something outlandish, you can just push back and say, no, that's bullshit, I don't really agree with that, right? Number two, basically, once you understand common sense, you need to understand human psychology, right? Oftentimes, uh, when to push and when to pull, right? Like when you're dealing with your people, when, when people management skills. Number three, you actually need to understand a little bit about real estate. So you have to understand the play between occupancy and rates, because oftentimes, now in the last two years, this wasn't the case, but oftentimes what happens is if you want to push up to 100% occupancy, you might have to sacrifice on rent growth. Or vice versa, by the way, right? So you have to understand, okay, what type of business plan do you have? What type of market are you in? What type of asset do you have? Because for instance, if you have a C-class asset, you can't be charging an A-class rent, which by the way, I've seen a lot of people do just because they have it in their underwriting, they want to charge it, but then nobody rents their place, right? So from a KPI point of view, high-level KPIs, apart from common sense and all the other factors such as occupancy, delinquency management, understanding how the CapEx cycle works, and then basically understanding how your cash conversion cycle works. So as an example, when a resident pays you money, right? How does it go through all your financial statements? How does it hit your PL? How does it go to your cash flow? Where does it end up on your balance sheet? Why do these things happen? How can you induce, uh, say, your residents to pay on time, as an example? How can you basically induce your residents to stay at your property and have high retention, as an example? 
right? These are some of the KPIs we're tracking, but the base KPI is common sense. It's not on a dashboard. If you don't, if you hire stupid people, you're going to get stupid results. It doesn't matter how technically competent they are. And how do you manage, like, since you have like, you know, um, 450 million asset under, under management, how do you manage different properties in different location? Uh, look, a lot. first of all, we have some level of geographical concentration that I hope so we have like five, six assets in Atlanta, two in Central Florida now, and about, uh, I don't know, four or five, six in South Dakota, something like that. So geographical concentration helps, number one. Number two, the other thing is you need to have the right people, as I said. It all starts with the right people. Number three, what you need to have is you need to have great systems and processes in place. And look, the simple example of a system and process in place is that you could be drunk and hungover and 95% of the problems solve themselves. Because it's a system, right? It comes in, it goes through an algorithm, it solves. So that's basically it. But apart from that, man, it's a lot of work, basically. And you have to spend a lot of money. You have to have the right people. But you need to have good structures in place. And if you don't have good structures in place, then the rest of the stuff, I mean, it's just hard, right? Even the best person in the world without the right structure is going to fail. Yes. Even I, I read this thing, it was like, outside of physics, even Einstein was an idiot. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, look, think about it. We're all really good at one area of the right, right? Look, Einstein might be really good at physics, but if it comes to talking to girls at a bar, you know, the Hollywood actor might be like killing it, right? Or if it comes to playing basketball, Michael Jordan is going to destroy Einstein and me, by the way, and everyone else on the planet. Every So we're all really good in one or two areas of life. People tend to think usually, oh, I'm good at this. Therefore, I must be good at everything. And that's not really the case, basically. That, that doesn't make sense. So since we are like, you know, um, 2023, we have a time of AI. How are you utilizing AI in asset management or in your business any, anywhere? I'm going to tell you this. Nobody's using AI in asset management right now. All of these indicators you hear using the word AI, if you ask them, what do you do? They cannot even give you a simple answer. Right now, there are no specific tools that can sustainably help you on the asset management side with AI. This is all hype. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the future. It's all bullshit. Every single syndicator who's an operator that I've talked to, they all say, oh, I use AI for everything. I was like, wait, how do you use AI for uh, delinquency management? Oh, oh. How do you use AI for underwriting? Oh, well, you know, we do this. I was like, no, no, no. Well, literally tell me. I give you a rent roll and a T12. How are you going to use AI to basically uh, underwrite this deal? No answer. So I think this is a lot of hype right now. Not AI is not a hype. AI is a real thing. Syndicator saying they're using AI is hype. They want to jump on a bandwagon and make themselves sound smart. We're not sophisticated as an industry. And by the way, generally speaking, also, real estate is not, unfortunately, I'm not saying it's the right thing. Unfortunately, real estate is not the most technically, technologically advanced industry, generally. So while AI is a very legitimate and real thing, the implementation of that in our industry is not very there. And it's funny, I joke with my team a lot of times. All these guys saying AI, as soon as you ask them about specifics, how do you underwrite? How do you manage leases? How do you manage linguistics? All over their head, man. But they want to say AI, machine learning, but don't want to give you specifics. I think those, those are just like heavy words that people like to say and listen. Look, man, I was actually very interested because I kept hearing a lot of these so-called social media stars talk about AI. I was like, shit, maybe I'm missing something, right? Because I'd like to learn, right? I mean, I don't want to make my life more difficult. Every time as an operator, you ask a simple operator-like technical question, 
bro, it's crickets, man. So <laughs> it sounds nice on videos, but the reality is a lot different right now. But I just want to emphasize AI is real. Syndicators saying they're using AI, they're dumb and full of shit. Yeah. Um, since you like destroy the AI in real estate, I was going to ask you another, another. I did destroy it. Hold on, hold on. I just want to say AI is real. I kept saying that. Syndicators are full of shit, is what I said. Um, but I was going to ask you a question with a follow up with this. Like, how do you use AI in any kind of risk management or in, the, in this market? No. no, no, no. Again, I'd love to use it, man. I'd love for somebody to show me a use case right now because I want to use it. I, I don't want to do stupid things. But every time I've asked these questions, man, it turns out somebody's using chat GPT to like make their email sound better. I was like, bro, that's not like, I mean, that's come not, on, like, help that's me not like for you. That's business. not AI, yeah. right? I mean, that's AI, but you understand it's such a low level use of AI, whereas people are going to the moon right now and we're talking about like emails here, right? So in that regard, no, but I'd love to know because I do feel and I know AI and machine learning, it's real, it's a real deal. Every operator I talk to that claims to do this, turns out, they're using Dolly to create a cute image or uh, like uh, chat GPT to, you know, make their email sound intelligent. I'm like, dude, that's like, come on, let's be honest. Like, do you, that's do you use chat GPT in anywhere, like for writing stuff? No, my, I, I, I do. I think I've used it a few times. I love it, by the way. My chief of staff, Eric, uses it a lot because he has to write SOPs and procedure manuals for our companies. And that's helped him immensely. So, like I said, it's a real deal, man. But when people say, underwriting yeah it's not really there i don't think so you can use that for underwriting yet maybe maybe in the future no 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 i no no hold i just want to be very clear i feel like uh, institutional asset managers i don't know about real estate but otherwise like i know fidelities and all of that they're using machine learning and all of that to trawl through a lot of data and ai to basically combine and do a lot of cool things I was just talking I, with regards to AI, uh, real estate syndicators. But I think that's their own tools. They're, they're not public tools. I, I don't know about that. But I, I mean, I, I read the same thing you read in the newspaper, and they sound very interesting what they're doing. And it sounds like a very sophisticated usage of, I mean, compared to whatever we're doing, which is nothing. And um, today, uh, we got the news about um, Feds are keeping the interest rate the same. They're not increasing it. They're not decreasing it. They're, they're trying to hold it for like a long time. So what are your strategies to buy another property in the next quarter or something? Like, how are, what are your strategies for that? Well, uh, number one is prayer, obviously, right? Prayers are very important, right? Uh, number two is, look, right now, we'd love to buy, we'd love to do more acquisitions. Uh, we just don't see the market for that right now. And market means the price and lending, right? I mean, that's really what we have right now. So we see a couple of distressed deals, but again, they're not at the price where even in the current lending environment, it makes sense. So right now, all of the volume we're doing on develop is on developments. We're still seeing a lot of value in developments. We're able to lock in loans for three to five years, fixed rates. So that helps. Uh, but again, with those loans, it's very easy to get out of those loans, right? Like in case, let's think about it this way, right? If rates drop, which hopefully they do, right? Uh, then it's very easy to like get out of the loans, go into a lower rate debt. But if you're getting, say, a hard debt or agency debt, that's say 10 years, right, or CMBS debt, 10 years, and rates drop, your defeasance or your maintenance is going to be crazy. So that's why right now there is such a bid-ask, wide bid-ask spread, bid meaning like the price buyers are willing to pay and ask meaning what sellers are providing, right? It is so wide right now that as much as I would like to do more acquisitions in the next quarter, tomorrow, <laughs> next two quarters, we just don't see that. So 
that's why I said prayers, man, because I, as much as I would like to do a transaction on the acquisition side, because it's way easier for us to do, we just don't see it right now. But again, maybe you ask me next week and a cool deal shows up and then something's happening, right? But we're talking as of today. And um, what kind of development are you doing? Are you like more focused on BTR or be, uh, built to sell? No, no, this is all multifamily. Mm. It's all apartment complexes uh, in the Midwest, basically. Mm. And um, are you like getting like uh, assumable loans? What kind of loans are you getting for the development? No, no, we developed from the ground up, right? For So there is no assumable. It's a, it's a construction loan. But those are very expensive too. Uh, look, we're still able to get them for sub 8% right now. I know a lot of my, I live in Dallas. A lot of my friends that are developing out in Dallas, Atlanta, God forbid Austin, because that's a really bad market to develop right now, Tampa. They're getting loans at like 9, 10, 11%, which I don't even know how you make any money there. But right now, so far, uh, we're still getting loans below 8% fixed rate in the Midwest. So that's making sure our projects pencil. But look, if we weren't getting those loans, then yeah, these projects weren't pencil and we wouldn't do them, basically. And all the deals are you seeing right now, whatever you underwrite, what are the capitals are you seeing in today that what are you expecting that we can see in like next quarter? Because as you mentioned, there's not still enough distress in the market. That you're not Bro, seeing. that's really hard to say right now. Uh, for I can talk about, on the value add side, at least I can tell you. That's very hard to say because look, even if you go agency debt right now, uh, hold on. Let's see what is the ten-year today because I think it fell a little bit, right? So the ten-year treasury, which is really where lots of loans are priced at, it fell by fourteen basis points. So ten-year treasury, as of close today, or as of right now when we're talking, is four point seven three four, right? So if you go four point seven three, so where is my calculator, right? We go four point seven. We're going to zoom it's four point seven. Forget about the three or four, right? So four point seven. Plus you add, say, 180 basis points, right? Which is just to be safe. Sometimes you can get 160, but let's assume you had 180. This means at the low, 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 low end, you're going to get a loan for about 6.5% fixed from agencies. Okay? So, yeah, your cap rate's got to be at least like 6.5 or 6.25 or with a clear story on how to get above that because otherwise you'll be in negative leverage and uh, it's going to be really painful. But do I see 6.5% legitimate cap rate deals? No. And that's why it's not just me. A lot of other uh, experienced owners, they're just not transacting. It's not like we don't want to do it because we want to do it, but we're not going to just throw good money after bad. And before we wrap this up, I have, I have two more questions. First of all, is like, what book do you want to recommend to somebody else who's starting new in real estate? Dude, I don't know about real estate, but look, I'll give you an example, man. Like, I don't know about a specific... I, again, I don't really look, man. I extensively read. You're just seeing some of the books behind me. I read like voraciously, right? I, I don't know about a specific book. Like, for instance, right now, what is this? I'm reading Towers of Debt. This is the Reichman family. This is an old Canadian family. They were at one time, I think, the fourth richest family in, in the world. So, would I recommend this book? No. But what I do tell people is look, read a lot about various people in your industry, right? So, I don't know about a specific book. This is just the latest example of a book that I'm reading. Re read about various people in your industry, see what they're doing, and that gives you an idea. So one book, no, I see, I think one should just be generally well-read, and that helps you, because no one book is going to solve any problems, right? But if you're generally well-read, you will see a lot of high performers, high achievers, 
they have very many things in common. And by the way, not just in real estate. If you admire somebody like Bill Gates or uh, like Mother Teresa or I don't know, some religious reader, right? Leader, right? See what they have done, right? Maybe you admire a politician like Gandhi, right? Read their biographies. See what they have done. Because you'll realize people that are at the top of their professions, they have very many things in common. But the one thing they have in common all the time is unwavering belief in themselves and extremely good work ethic, right? Gandhi didn't make India because, you know, one day he got up and he was feeling, yeah, I need to make India. And the next day he was like, yeah, no, don't worry. I got to go somewhere else, right? It didn't really work like that. It was years of struggle, right? Same way as a Bill Gates making his company. It wasn't like one day he got up, he pressed a button and Microsoft happened, right? So, but when you read these books, you can get inspiration from people and the struggle and all the hard work that goes into hopefully creating a better life for yourself, a better life for your family and your community. And if today is the last day on this planet, what message do you want to give to the world? I will not give any message to the world. I will just spend time with my kids and my wife and my family. I don't care about the world that much to give a message <laughs> to the world. I ask, hey, bro, I'm just hanging out with my kids. If they're young boys, I just hug them, kiss them, spend mo the most amount of time with them and with my wife and my family. Yeah, I don't. Like, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good without sharing my wisdom with the world. With the world. <laughs> <laughs> and if somebody wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, you can go to our, you can join my mailing list by going to my website, boardwalkwealth.com. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have that in the show notes yes, and the form is right on the homepage. Again, that's at boardwalkwealth.com. Perfect. Perfect. And thank you so much for your time. And um, I'll see you in some new conference that you're going. We can meet yep. you there. Hopefully oh. soon. Or if you're ever in Dallas, please let me know. I'd love to host you. Perfect. Perfect. Alrighty. Thank you so much. All right. Take it easy, bro. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast. The show that covers everything to do with multifamily real estate investing to help you become an expert in your real estate ventures. We're here to help you create passive income and financial freedom so that you can achieve what you want whenever you want. We'll catch you next time on The Real Deal.